So tonight I invite you to open your homework folders to Lessons Learned in the Wilderness. I'd like us to quote our memory verse together. It's right there at the top, Deuteronomy 2.7. Read this with me. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Now I'm sure many of you are saying, why in the world would Pastor Carol pick walking through the wilderness for our women's ministries? That's almost as bad as the book of Job. And then after we had chosen this, Pastor Rick decided to speak on promised land living, which I'm sure is in retaliation for me not letting him have lessons in the wilderness for a sermon series. So I want to say that right here and now. I'm like, you're sabotaging the whole thing. He just smiled with that Italian smile. So... But there are seasons of life, and lessons in the wilderness just represent seasons of life that we go through. Some of you might go, I don't want to be in the wilderness. I avoid it. Good job. Some of you might say, I'm in the wilderness, and I did nothing to deserve it, but I'm here. And then some of you may just be in kind of an in-between spot. But at some point in life, we go through hard times, and as Christians, we need to be prepared think of the, the story. The first parable was about the sower and the seed. And remember how Jesus talked about some seed goes, you know, on the hard path and it doesn't take root. Some seed goes, you know, where the birds come along and then some seeds go into good soil. Well, learning about our wilderness experiences helps us to have good soil so that when seasons of lies come and go, we will be prepared Now, we know that God loves us deeply, and uh, we know that he's doing a new thing. I would like you to turn to Isaiah 43, 19, and I'm using the New King James Version. Now, just because we're doing a teaching on the wilderness doesn't mean we're all going to go into wilderness experience. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be scared. (laughs) In fact, just the opposite. I believe for many, this is going to be the time to get out of the wilderness because you're learning to be promised land livers. And I encourage you to listen to the Sunday podcast because they've been very, very encouraging how to possess the promised land. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Lord loves us so much that he will make roads in the, what does it say? He will make roads in the wilderness. There's no roads in the wilderness. A few years ago, um, Rick and I and my brother and his wife, we hiked uh, the up above in Tuolumne Meadow, the John Muir Loop Trails. There are no roads up there, I can assure you. The only paths are where the little wild turkeys, little feet go, okay? So in Isaiah 43, 19, it says, I will make roads in the wilderness. And then he says, streams in the desert. There's no streams in the desert, right? He says, I'm going to do a new thing. So be assured, whatever season of your life, God is going to make a way for you. 
when uh, Rick was, Pastor Rick was first doing his studies and teachings on the, the wilderness, he got a kick out of the, um, you know, nothing wore out. He goes, that was a bummer for the women. Because they didn't have, they couldn't go buy new shoes. They didn't need new shoes. I'm like, oh my goodness. Heidi Hunt would be really upset. One of our, our W to W directors, she loves shoes. So we know that the Lord makes roads in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Turn to your friend or your neighbor and say, God's going to make a road for you in the wilderness, and he's going to bring rivers to your deserts. Isn't that a good feeling? Now, did your friend say that with faith, or did they just say it because I made them? Come on now. We want to have faith. Both. Both. Okay, a little bit of faith. So in the Hebrew, the word for wilderness is midbar. And it's interesting because the root word for wilderness is actually speak, the meaning to speak or word. So we would say midbar means God speaks in the wilderness. I love that. God speaks to us in the wilderness. How many have ever been in a wilderness experience? And God spoke to you. Yeah. And one of the scariest times I ever experienced, I was only 29 years old, and I had to have a hysterectomy. And um, we won't go into the details because it's a podcast. But anyway, it was kind of scary. And they didn't quite know why. And, you know, there's always that C word, you know, cancer. And I had four little girls at home, um, ages about maybe two and a half up. And I remember, you know, Rick, you know, you go to have surgery. It's the scariest thing. And I remember being, you know, Rick was there, and they took me to the hallway, and they said, this is, you can't go any further with her. And I remember I was scared. I was only 29. I had four babies at home, and I knew I couldn't have any more children. That was a whole big thing. And I remember when they took me to those doors, it seemed like the end of the hall to the surgical area was 50 miles away. And I remember them pushing me, and the tears started coming down my face. And I said, Lord, this is scary for me. I'm scared. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Carol, I am your shepherd. And I just began quoting, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then the scripture, you will keep me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. I felt the presence of God flood me greater than any sedative anybody could have given me. The peace, it was a miracle. The peace of God came over me. I felt the, the heaviness on my, just on my chest, just lift, and I felt so peaceful, and they wheeled me in, and my doctor came in and started talking to me and said, I wish all my patients were like you. And I said, that's because I have Jesus Christ. And, it, and happy New Year to all of our Jewish friends tonight. And my doctor was Jewish, and I got a chance to really share with him because he could see the peace of God. That was my wilderness moment, and God provided for me supernatural strength. And I know all of you have stories you could share too, and hopefully you'll get a chance. So we know that we're going to just say this for the sake of a good definition for us tonight so we're all on the same page. The world, or the word wilderness is translated best in context of our study like this. An empty or pathless area or region, unknown and unchartered areas specifically to oneself, and unexpected twists and turns in our spiritual journey.
And you know what? If that's not in your notes, I will get it for you next week. Okay? I will get that for you next week. I'm going to say it again. An empty or pathless area or region, unknown and unchartered areas specifically to oneself, and unexpected twists and turns in our spiritual journey. So the wilderness experience, and this is in your notes, the wilderness experience is the spiritual path of sanctification. Do you guys see that on your notes? I'm sorry, I don't have the notes in front of me. Since somebody give me, they're right up here. See, some people are having problems finding their notes in their notebook, or did they get them at the tables? Okay, yeah. Does everybody have them? There's an extra one right here if anybody needs. Oh, thank you, Heather. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, girls. I can follow along. So that's the first feeling. The wilderness experience is a spiritual path of sanctification, which means being conformed in the image of Christ. That's where God speaks to us, transforming. You know, salvation is a transforming experience. When you become born again, you are being transformed into the image of Christ. I've had the privilege the last few week, uh, fl- last few years of watching a family member, an extended family member, grow in the Lord. And somebody asked them the other day, are you a Christian? And they said, well, I guess I am. <laughs> it's, it's a process coming to Christ. We, it's a transforming experience. Now, we know that throughout Scripture, times of wilderness... We think of Hagar. That was a distressing time when she was put out by, um, you know, by Sarah because she was, Sarah was jealous of her because she had given Abraham a son. And she was out in, you know, that was a distressing time in the wilderness. It says that she and her baby were put out in the desert. There's no water in the desert. And she says, I'm just going to die. And the Lord speaks to her, I see you. See, in the wilderness, it gives the Lord a chance to really have that one-on-one with us, and it causes us to be transformed. Sometimes wilderness experiences can take on forms of depression. It can be a crisis of your faith. It can be more than one thing. If you've ever had a bunch of life events collide together, even good things like two kids getting married in a year, or, you know, two kids getting married and somebody graduating from high school at the same time. Or you have a baby and you get a job promotion. Or your husband gets a job promotion. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons that you can have just a collision of circumstances that can bring on a wilderness experience. So what? why do we go through wilderness experiences? Well, the first thought usually that crosses our mind is that it's sin, but sin is not the reason. We don't go through wilderness experiences because of sin. Now, sometimes our sinful actions can bring the consequences of putting us in the wilderness. And so our first thought usually is that it was caused by some sin, but sin is not the reason. Sin is not the reason, generally, that we're in the wilderness. Um, we are being transformed in the image of Christ. That's why we're in the wilderness. We're being transformed into the image of Christ. And then next, we are being tested so that our faith will be strengthened. We are being tested so that our faith will be strengthened. 
Now, King David was no stranger to wilderness experiences. He, he wrote quite a few psalms about the wilderness. Turn in your Bibles to Psalms 28, verses 1 through 2. Psalms 28, verses 1 through 2. Could you read this out loud with me? Psalms 28, 1 through 2. To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you, lift, when I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Um, just for the sake of time, I'm going to read Psalms 38, 9 through 10. Psalms 38, 9 through 10. Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pants, my strength fails me, as for the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. So in the wilderness, we are not, number five, in the wilderness, we are not being punished. We are being tested, and our faith is being strengthened. I really want to emphasize that. In the wilderness, we are not being punished. We are being tested, and our faith is being strengthened. How many can say your wilderness experience has caused you to be stronger? I can tell you, I tell you, I have never been in a wilderness experience that I went away feeling weaker. I might have been tired, but I felt stronger, okay? So let's say this one together. In the wilderness, we are not being punished. We are being tested, and our faith is being strengthened. James 1, 3 through 4, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials or tribulations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So the next one is, we are being tested as an example to others. That's number six. We are being tested as an example to others. You go through difficult times, and people go, wow, your God's real. I can really see you have joy in the midst of that situation. Your God is real. He's faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, verses, uh, verse 11, in verse here, it says, Now these things happened to them as examples. They were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That's 1 Corinthians 10. So we are an example. It's an example. The next thing we see here is number seven. God humbles and proves us in the wilderness. God humbles and proves us in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 8.2, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you should keep his commandments or not. You know, the Lord's always interested in our heart because he knows that's where it's true, right? You know, you ever just try to really like somebody you don't like because it's just not in your heart? You're like, no. I don't when you're married and you go on double dates with friends, you have to both find friends that you want to go with and you'll come home and go, no, I don't like that person. And yeah, well, we could tell. <laughs> God wants the heart. I remember one of our kids was had it was not 
kind of in a rebellious season of their life, and our son-in-law, Joe, said, Mom, don't worry. God's, he's jealous for that person's heart, and he's not going to let them go till he has their whole heart. Sometimes the wilderness is where the Lord just gets down to the nitty-gritty, and we just have to bear it all because he can really get to the heart of the issue. Because we are sifted in the wilderness. Number eight, we are sifted in the wilderness. <laughs> Because you know what? We have religious baggage sometimes. And the Lord needs to come along and sift us. I like to cook. I like to bake. And I love King Arthur Flour. I love their website. And they talk about sifting. Because when you sift the wheat and you sift everything together, it makes it nice and fluffy. Right? The Lord wants us to be nice and fluffy. So he takes us to the wilderness and he sifts us. Because we'll be lighter than air. Because our burdens are lifted when he gets to the heart of the issue. I think of uh, John the Baptist. He had to go to the wilderness. He was stripped of everything. And he went to the wilderness. They came to the wilderness. Another person that's really well known in the scripture that was stripped and sent to the wilderness was Paul. In fact, after the Lord knocked him off the horse, he was on his tush. He was blind. He had to be led. He was sent into the Arabian desert. For what was it, three and a half, five years? He was there for a while. He had a lot of work. Because he was a religious zealot. He went around killing Christians. And the Lord's like, you, dude, you got so much baggage. We got a lot to do. Just leave your passport at the front desk. You are not going anywhere. (laughs) Right? I mean, he realized. And you know what? He submitted to that. Because he had so much. It can last. You know what? Our wilderness period can last a day. It can last in the line at the grocery store. Or it can last nine months because your kid has a terrible teacher at school. (laughs) Or somebody you love has a splinter in their emotional soul and they're just being a thorn in your flesh. Whatever it is. But you know what? God's faithful in the process and we grow so much. So the next thing is... What can I expect in the experience? What can I expect to experience in the wilderness? Well, there's two things. We're going to face battles and we're going to have blessings. So, we can re- we can expect battles and we can expect blessings in the wilderness. Your wilderness experience, we can expect battles and we can expect blessings. Battles and blessings. So let's go over some of these battles we'll face. Well, what about this? The battle of hopelessness. Ugh. How many's been there? Hopeless. Ugh. My little, one of my grandkids came over and he had a little, from that movie Inside Out, he had fear. I have to talk to my daughter about that. But anyway, he had the doll fear. And I'm like, what? You got, who got you that? (laughs) We don't want hopelessness and we don't want fear. We want freedom. But sometimes when you're in the wilderness, you just feel hopeless. And I think, you know, it's been great having this series on Sundays. Because can you imagine marching behind somebody for a long time? March, march. You know, really, it would have only taken them 9 to 11 days if they'd have just gone straight. You know, I mean, we're talking strong-headed, stubborn hard-headed people and the Lord saying I don't want you in the wilderness but here we go again how hopeless is it look at that person's been wearing that same outfit for 20 
years. Those shoes. We've got manna. You know, you start feeling hopeless. Job 7, 6, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent. Wow. Psalms 42, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted with me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Romans 5, 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts. Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Because when you get hopeless, oh, that's such an awful place to be, isn't it? What another battle? Abandonment and loneliness. That's a tough battle. How many's ever been abandoned? How many's ever sensed abandonment? I think we can all say at some point, it's a, it's a rough place to be. Psalms 142, verses 4 f- through 5. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Now, sometimes David appears a little dramatic. You know, oh, nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. I guess I'll just eat worms, you know. But that's a reality. You know, when you feel that, when you, and you know what? It's not just feeling. When you've had that happen, it is a terrible place to be. But we know God is faithful. The battle number three, fear of the unknown. If I don't know the future, I can't control it. And I don't know about you, but I am, I'll, I'll just, I'm a control freak. Ask Gia. She works with me. Today she's like, <laughs> go away. <laughs> it's fear of the unknown. You know, that we have to back off and say, Lord, I, you know what, I trust you. I trust you this time. The fourth battle, doubting the unconditional love of God. Ugh. The love of God is the cornerstone of our faith. We need to know that God loves us. Listen, if you don't get that little cobblestone in the very foundation of your faith, you will always struggle. You will be comparing yourself with all the other Christians. You will not be a happy mom. You will not be a happy wife. Because nobody can ever make you happy if you don't know that the creator of the universe created you and loves you very much. You have to believe it or you can't receive love. If you don't know that God loves you, if this is an area, you can spend your whole Christian walk in the wilderness of doubt and unbelief. Because you don't grasp this concept. And I encourage you, if you're struggling in this area, you need to fast and pray and ask God to let you have a revelation of his love. And then it says here in Deuteronomy 6.23, he brought us out from there in order to bring us in to give us a land which he has sworn to our fathers. So we can expect blessings because blessings are from God. And he desires to bless us. The Lord, it says the Lord is blessed and he cannot reverse us. So here's some blessings that we'll receive. Blessing number one. God always takes care of his children in the wilderness. God always takes care of us. They had water. They had bread. They had manna. God took care of them. James 1.4. 
that you may be complete, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Romans 5, circle that one. I encourage you to read that one this week. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint. Isn't that a great portion of scripture? Blessing number two. New beginnings are produced in the wilderness. New beginnings are produced in the wilderness. What a great thing to know. He says he'll make roads in the wilderness and streams in the desert. He brought us out to bring us in. He took the children of Israel out of Egypt to bring them in to the promised land. So if you're in the wilderness right now, know God's bringing you out to bring you in. And don't fight with him. Don't say, well, I like the melons in Egypt. At least we had food to eat. But they were in bondage, right? So we know that we can expect new beginnings. New beginnings are produced in the wilderness. After their 40-year stay in the wilderness, Joshua let the people of God, he led them across the Jordan into the promised land. In Hosea's day, in Hosea 2.14, God led them through the wilderness to woo the nation back to himself. After the Jews had been exiled into Babylon, the prophet spoke of preparing a pathway in the wilderness so that God could return his people home. That's Ezekiel. John the Baptist marked a new beginning for Israel by introducing God's people to their long-awaited Messiah. Where? Where? In the wilderness. Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And it was the apostle of Paul that began his apostolic ministry in, yeah. So whether you've been, you're going through, you're coming out, the wilderness isn't such a bad place to be, but it's a terrible place to stay, right? So, Lord, I pray for my sisters tonight that, Lord, um, whatever their season of life, that they will not stay in the wilderness. They will walk to the promised land. Lord, help us each when we come to places that we'll study like the rock that Moses struck out of anger. Or, Lord, the, the burning experiences of our heart where we know and recognize that you're giving us choices to make and we we don't make the right choices we make choices that make it hard for us to get out of the wilderness free people lord free women as they're studying the scripture lord i pray over each one of these women that they will have encounters with you that will transform their lives and transform their circumstances for your glory In Jesus' name we pray, amen.